And uh, let's go over to Hebrews chapter 5. Praise God for lives changed. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody say it for somebody else. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5. Amen. Let's pray tonight. Father, we're so thankful. We're so grateful for everything you've done. We thank you for the grace of God upon our lives. That, and then this grace has come for free. Lord, nothing that we've done earned it. Nothing that we could do could merit. But Lord, because of who you are and your great love, you've given it to us abundantly. So, Lord, we draw upon your spirit and your word today to empower, equip, and enable us to go forth, to move forward in life and do all that you've called us to do. Oh, such great things are in store. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, things are just getting better and better. Or I like to say gooder and gooder, to use my best English. And... Uh, Praise God. Let, let's look at Hebrews 5 and let's read in verse 12. It says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment." And so we began a, a series of messages a few weeks back called First Principles. And, and that's using the language uh, that's used right here in Hebrews, that God calls some principles first, implying that they ought to come in a sequence of priority when it comes to our understanding and learning. And if I don't have first principles well grounded and established in my heart how in the world could I ever go on to second principles even though we don't find that language first implies it right how could I get to second principles or third principles or anything beyond and what many times what we've discovered as people do is they think they're further than they are they think they're more mature than they are have you ever met anyone like that <laughs> I mean, they gave off an air of spiritual superiority. They, they gave off this kind of front of, uh, I'm super close to God more than anyone else, especially more than you. And, uh, but when you, when you got to be around them for very long, you saw their, their manner of life, you realized they weren't nearly as far along as they thought they were. And how many know, I can never go further than I am today if I don't acknowledge where I am today. And so we must be honest and humble and, 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 and admit the things that we do know and where we are. But again, if these first principles are well established in our lives, then greater things can God add to us from there. And, and uh, someone said, well, I think they are established. Well, we're doing a check for you then. Because again, in my experience, and not calling anybody a liar, not calling anybody something that well, they're not, not passing judgment but in my experience again many people think they know what and they don't know things 
many people will give a head nod to a lot of truth. They'll, they'll get, you, 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 you tell them something, and they're like, yeah. And then you realize, once you go along, they just didn't want you to know that they didn't know. <laughs> because, I don't know, somehow it made them, they didn't want to feel like they were less in your eyes than they wanted to be. And, uh, and, and so, again, let, let's make sure we're, we're grounded in the Word of God. It's of great value to to us, and the Lord shows us this. We've been discussing these principles. Uh, you remember repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. And without rehearsing those and reviewing those, they're all available, those teachings are. Uh, but the next thing he mentioned here that was essential, he called the doctrine of baptisms. The doctrine of baptisms. And I don't know about you, but that wouldn't be my first thought that if there's anything I need to know, I need to understand biblical baptisms, plural. I would think you need to know some other things, but yet this is in the list. Why? Well, again, I think t sometimes people skip over some of these first principles trying to move on to other things, yet if they're not established, they limit their growth. There, become, there comes a ceiling on their life as, as far as how far they can go in God. The Lord never institutes any ordinance, any command, any directive um, for reasons that don't matter. He never tells us to do something that's unimportant. He will not give us as a church, He will not give you as an individual a directive to do something or be involved with something if your involvement or if your participation in that thing will make no difference in your life or anybody else's. Everybody with me? Yeah. Say, so what are you talking about? I'm talking about the doctrine of baptisms. These are very, very, very important and we can't skip over them. And when I say them, I mean them. You notice the, world, the word there is plural. If you talk about baptism... To most Christians, and I, I think I'm probably right in that, if you talk about baptism to most Christians, they only think of one baptism. And that has to do with water. And that comes in many various forms and fashions and formulas and, and, and so forth. But they think of one baptism, yet the Bible speaks of baptisms. Now I know he, he can be referencing here some Old Testament ceremonial washings, but in the New Testament the counterpart is the New Testament baptisms that we go through. Now, um, uh, when, we, when we talk about this, if, if I were to ask you, if we had a one-on-one, -on -one, and I were to ask you, say, have you been baptized? What would be the answer to that? Again, many people would, would think, have I been water baptized? But that wasn't the question. The question is, have you been baptized? And how many know that question is really not clear enough? But here's the truth. Every single child of God has been baptized. You know, every child of God has been baptized. Even those four that just got water baptized. You know, they were baptized before they went in the water. Because they got baptized in our service here. They sit over here, I know. They're, I'm sure they'll be coming out soon. They got baptized right over here. I said, what are you talking about? 
Someone squirt them with a squirt gun, you know. We doing, <laughs> we doing sprinkling in the church now? What, what, what's going on here? Well, the truth is baptism is multifaceted. And we should understand this, okay? So let, let, let me show you what the different baptisms are in the, in the Bible. First of all, the, the, the word baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo. It means to immerse. It means to submerge. It means to make whelmed. Make whelmed, like fully wet, okay? But I'm not just talking about water now. The word baptism means that. You're fully submerged, you're immersed, you're full, you're, you, it means again to make whelmed, okay? So when we're talking about baptism, what do we mean? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Remember, go there with me. We don't want to become lazy. If you're new tonight and you don't have a Bible yet, we have screens for you until you get one of your own. Amen. Ephesians 4, verse 1, it said, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, of, uh, and gentleness with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one, what? Baptism. Baptism. One God, Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in y'all. Notice that language. The Bible says there is how many baptisms? One. Now that seems to contradict Hebrews, which says there are multiple baptisms, yet it also seems to contradict other scriptures, which list different types of baptism, yet the scripture here says there is one baptism. How many know this verse has been used in certain locations um, to discredit things like the baptism in the Holy Spirit? They'll say, nope, the Bible says there's only one baptism. But how many know you have to take all scriptures in context? This is speaking about a particular baptism that I am discussing tonight as number one. It is called baptism into the body of Christ. All right, if you're taking notes, you write it down. Number one, baptism into the body of Christ. How many know there is only one way in? There is only one time in. You only get into Christ once. But when a person is born again, the Bible says they are put into. They are whelmed, you could say. They are immersed in the body of Christ. Aren't you glad that when you got saved, you weren't partially saved? In other words, the Lord put your leg in, you know. He put half of you in, and, uh, and you're, you're kind of saved. Now, I've met people that I might have described that way. <laughs> they're kind of saved. And I, but that's not literally true. That was just my outward observation that they're kind of, you know, on the fence or something of that nature. Uh, but the reality is when a person gets born again, that's called baptism. They are baptized into the body of Christ fully and completely. They're all in, right? They are, they are put into the body of Christ. Another reference along those lines is this. It's 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink of one Spirit. Notice by one Spirit we are all baptized into one body. What's that talking about? Uh, that's talking about salvation. 
That, that, that's talking about the Lord. That's talking about the Spirit of God. The day you said, Lord, I need a Savior. I repent of my sins and I give my heart and life to you. The Lord takes us and puts us completely and fully into the body of Christ. So when the Scripture says over here in Ephesians 4 that there is one baptism, what is that? It is one baptism into the body of Christ. That's why we can say, you know, if you were just to be generic and not be real specific about this, you could say that every child of God has been baptized. Now, that doesn't mean they've experienced all the baptisms that they, they should. There are multiple baptisms, but they have experienced the first one, and it's the very most important one. First of all, before you do anything else, before you get in the car, before you get into, <laughs> before you get in the shower, be, before you get into, get in Christ. Get in the body, get in the family of God, and this uh, is the, the, the stage for everything else to be good. And so, um, praise God. Now, number two, should we go on to number two? I think most of us can figure out what number two is, because this is the one that I referenced that most people are aware of. Uh, they don't they don't all understand it completely, but they know what it looks like, and that is baptism in what? Water, water baptism. That's what we did here tonight. That is a powerful thing. And that's, here's where the scripture says in Matthew 3 and verse 11, uh, it, it, it reads, uh, John wrote, was speaking here. He said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the uh, Holy Spirit and fire. Okay, that's, an, that's another one. Uh, but, but notice, uh, there there are basically in the Bible two types of water baptism. There are two types. And one of those types is listed right here. It is called, uh, where John said, I baptize you with water unto repentance. It is, we could just simply call this John's baptism. right? And John was a Baptist, right? So it, it would make sense that he baptized people. Uh, but we, we could call this John's baptism. That is one of the New Testament baptisms. When I say New Testament, it's in our New Testament, but it's actually Old Covenant. He was simply baptizing people, and it was an outward symbol of their repentance. They were turning from their sins, turning from their own life, and endeavoring to serve God. But how many know the people that John baptized were not born again? They were not actually new creations in Christ Jesus. They were simply committing their heart and life and turning from their own life and, and wanted, to, wanted to live for God. Look at Acts 19 with me. Acts chapter 19. Say, is it really important that I understand the difference between the different kind of water baptisms? Well, I, I think it is because... Uh, nowadays, we live in a time where people are less and less teaching the Word of God, more and more being culturally acceptable. And even when it comes to baptism, do you think anybody has ever been baptized in water that wasn't saved? I'm talking not back then, I'm talking today. I'm telling you, it happens all the time. It absolutely does. People will go through the motions of religious uh, adherence to certain ordinances without having first had a life change, without first being born from above. And that is absolutely wrong. We do not baptize people to get them into heaven. We give them Jesus, baptize them into the body of Christ, then put them in the water. 
First get saved, your sins are washed away, then be baptized in water. But again, this was the case over here in Acts 19. Notice with me in verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, that's odd. (laughs) They don't even know... No, if there was a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said into what? John's baptism. That's not a Christian baptism. That's not a new covenant. That's not salvation baptism. Then then Paul said, John indeed baptized with water, uh, baptized with a baptism of what? 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 Come on now, full participation tonight. We'll say it again. Saying, that's better. Uh, Good job. Saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. So they were to believe in someone after that. So they were being baptized before. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and, and, and so forth. And they received another one. Uh, but but, but that's a, uh, a, a, that shows a difference between the different types of baptism. So, uh, you know, now and then people will come. Uh, they'll come to our services or they'll become uh, members of our church. And that's something we emphasize because the Lord emphasized that. So we make that as a special note to encourage people to follow the Lord and His command that way. And people will say, well, I was baptized um, when I was such and such years old. Or I used to be a part of this religion and I was baptized then. Does that count? Well, how many understand the answer to that is, were you born again before you went in the water? If you were not, then no, that doesn't count. That's not Christian baptism. Does that make sense? I, I mean, I know it's real clear, but again, people think, well, as long as I was baptized in water, then that's all that matters. No, that's not really all that matters. The Lord has a sequence of events for us. Some things can be out of order, but this one can't. First, I must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. In other words, I am baptized into the body of Christ. Then I follow that baptism with a water baptism, and I demonstrate what just happened. We'll get to that, uh, that right now. Go over to 1 Peter 3. Okay, 1 Peter 3, and this is the second type of water baptism, and we just call this the believer's baptism. Okay, we can call this believer's baptism as opposed to John's baptism, which is prior to salvation. Say, are we supposed to go through John's baptism first? No, no. That, the only reason they did that is because the Christian baptism or a believer's baptism didn't exist yet. No one had been born again. They couldn't demonstrate Christ's death, burial, and resurrection because he hadn't done that. Which, as many of you know, that's what's happening here. This is symbolic and picturesque of, our, of Jesus dying, going in the grave, and then being raised to new life. And then it's basically a picture of what happened to us when we were baptized into the body of Christ. Okay? We passed from death to life. Our old man is dead, gone in you know, history. And now we are alive in him. That's why I've seen, you know, I like to encourage those who, who are about to be baptized, who are... Uh, um, going through, through water baptisms to expect God to move and do something tremendous in their life. Because this is not just a ritual, it's something God gets involved with. 
This is something, man, you are standing for him. You are publicly making a declaration of your faith. And you are saying, man, my old man is dead. And I am alive with him. And when you come out of there, I've seen God do tremendous things. He did something tremendous in my life when I was. And I've seen others get healed and filled with the Spirit and, and set free from addictions. It's, it's a powerful thing that God gets involved with. Why? Because we are showing through a physical demonstration and act of faith, the old guy's gone. Man, the old man is dead, and now I'm alive in him. Come on now, somebody. First Peter, uh, everybody got it? First Peter chapter 3, and uh, notice in verse 21, of course, you, if you read the context here, you, you'll see it, it talks about Noah, at Noah and the ark. And can you see the picture of water baptism in what happened with Noah and, and, and the ark? How the, how the whole earth at that time became wicked. And people were ungodly. But there was Noah and his family. And God said, I'm going to save you. And, and without going through the whole story. But you see, just like baptism, the sinfulness, the junk, the old stuff stayed under. And the righteous floated to the top. And the righteous lived and survived. And that's what's true about us. And listen, that is a, a spiritual truth and reality. The day you get born again... But how many know most of the battle, as far as in this life, is not now whether I'm going to go to heaven or not, but is, it is how can I live out the reality of what I have completely in Christ. And if I can get what I have in here, by God's grace, into here, and into here, oh, man, I've gotten somewhere. Oh, and how, how many Christians, man, life and power, and revelation, and relationship with God is all locked up. <laughs> it's all locked up, on, locked up on the inside. They have it, not going to lose it, going to experience it in heaven, but it doesn't manifest in their life. And they live like sinners. They live like defeated per people. They live like they're under the, you know, uh, under the authority and dominion of Satan and of this world. Our, one of our biggest goals is to get the life of God out of here into here. And that's what water baptism can do. Because it helps us. It's a, I mean, it's a physical experience. That, that makes a difference. Amen. I mean, why do you think, just side note here, why do you think the Lord gives us certain, um, certain tools like, uh, like anointing people with oil? You know, that's a biblical New Testament pattern is to anoint the sick with oil. And you think, well, what in the world is oil going to do? You know, <laughs> you know, I mean, how does it help to get all oily? How does, how does a person, uh, does that heal them? Well, we know that in reality, no, there's no magic in the oil. There's no power in the oil. But it is representative. It is a, it, it is a physical representation of the power of God and the Holy Spirit. What is the Lord doing? He's helping us with something physical to lay hold of something spiritual. Something we can see and feel to help our faith into laying hold of something we can't feel, see or feel. Likewise, water baptism does that for the believer. Man, we're going through something and man, I'm saved. <laughs> I am clean. I am washed. I am just alive now as Jesus is alive. Just like he was raised from the dead. I've been raised from the dead. Come on now, have you been raised from the dead? 
Absolutely we have. And that's a picture, that's a demonstration of that that is supposed to sink into the deepest parts of our soul where we are more conscious of the life of God than anything else. And I tell you what, if we can live that way, look out devil, look out world, look out defeated life, it is no longer going to have a grip upon us. Let's read this verse. 1 Peter 3 verse 21, again talking about Noah here. It says, there is also an antitype which now saves us. Now, I understand antitype, it would be the opposite of type. In the Old Testament, there are types or pictures, prophetic pictures. New Testament is full of antitypes. In this case, it's also, excuse me, uh, the antitype would be the picture of our salvation. Okay, there is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's basically showing us here that when someone is baptized, that is a picture of resurrection. Have you been resurrected? (laughs) Come on now. Have you been resurrected? Come on. Are you alive or dead? Are we bound in sin or have we been free? Come on now. And this must be in our minds a reality. Can you see how the doctrine of baptisms is essential for us to have an understanding? And many people are just caught up in the religious rituals of of church, religious rituals, and they go through it and they do it out of obedience. They, They adhere to the plan, but don't have a revelation and understanding of what God wants to do. Therefore, they're limited in the in the in the power that they experience. Praise God. Now, so without going in, into in detail, we have teaching on these things in detail in other places, but uh, let's go on to number three, because we're talking about the doctrine of baptisms. Everybody say zzz. All right. Number three is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Or you could say the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That would be okay as well. I'm not really picky about the language here, because I see both types of verbiage used in the scriptures. Uh, but again, this being placed into the Holy Spirit. Um, uh, the, the scripture says here in, in John 1.33, you don't need to turn there. John 1.33, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said, uh, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so it's basically telling us that Jesus will baptize people with the Holy Spirit. Now again, they'll be fully whelmed, they'll be submerged, they'll be, you know, they'll be completely doused, that's my, my definition, doused with the Holy Spirit, not just a little mist in the face, you know, not, not, not just a little sprinkle of the Holy Spirit, oh, He touched you. No, God's idea, His plan, is that you be immersed, saturated filled to the full just like going in the water you come out and you are sopping wet right supposed to be (laughs) when you receive the baptism in the holy spirit you are soaked (laughs) man what is that it's like all over me (laughs) it's the power of god all right and and uh and, and whether your experience you literally felt that way or not know this that spiritually that's what took place because people seem to have various experiences and to different levels and different things. Some people see visions and see a bright light and feel warm honey coming over them. 
<laughs> and others don't. But listen, it's not all about feeling, but it is about acknowledging that I am overwhelmed and covered with the power of God. And, and, and so let's look at Acts chapter 8 just to lay this uh, scriptural foundation. Again, has there been, have there been any believers in our day and age, in the church age, I'm talking in our time, in our year, that have experienced baptism into the body of Christ, and they somewhat understand that. They've experienced water baptism, have, and they understand that. But those are the only two baptisms they know. Unfortunately, that's large parts of the body of Christ. They're our brothers and sisters. We love them. They're going to heaven, but they're powerless. They're weak when it comes to what God really intended for them. And, and you know the scripture here in Acts 1.8, Jesus speaking... He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Notice what Jesus said they'd receive? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon them. They'd receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And then the second chapter, just real close there, the second chapter, Acts 2 and verse 4 this is when it happened. It said they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? This is also called in the Bible being filled with the Spirit. It's called receiving power. There's different terminology that's used at different times. It doesn't matter in which order these things happen. Can a person be, let me ask you this, can a person be baptized in the Holy Spirit before being baptized in water? They actually can, and we have New Testament examples of people receiving the Holy Spirit just immediately after they believe on the Lord, and people speak in tongues, and they're filled with the Spirit, but they didn't even have time to get wet yet. I mean, they had time to go in the water, no water around. But, but it, so it, it seems that, scripturally speaking, it doesn't matter which order someone experiences these two baptisms, but they're both very important. I think for you, for me, we should not minimize anything that the Lord directs us to do. Never uh, minimize or let me say it or trivialize anything that he says okay if he said be baptized in water make that priority on your list you might be a believer here tonight that has not experienced that you might think well i'm saved i'm going to heaven well, i don't disagree with that but uh, except if you refuse to be baptized it might make me wonder not because of that not because of the act but because of the heart to not really want what god has for you and so if you haven't let me encourage you giddy up Sign up, stir it up, <laughs> get up, amen, get baptized in water. But then, there are, there, are, there are many believers in our day and age, and of course this happens with, uh, with folks who, who come to us, and we're not the only ones by any means, not, not at all, but some people come to us and they come to Christ in a church or in a spiritual group that doesn't know about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or has been mistaught. And they've taught that those things are passed away. And, and, and so they miss out on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so they've been baptized into the body. They've been baptized in water, but not, have not yet been overwhelmed <laughs> with the power of God. And let me encourage you. This is part and this is key of God's plan for you to succeed. It really is. You can't fully do all that God has called you to do with leaving some of what he said is essential out doesn't mean someone's a bad person doesn't mean they're not going to heaven it just means if god said this is for you and this is what you're supposed to have he said that for a reason amen because i talked to a person a number of years ago and 
And they were new to that kind of stuff, hadn't heard much about it, and some people were encouraging them along those lines. And he came to me and said, I, I just don't really want this. I just don't really, uh, I just don't really see, it, see a need for me to have this. You know, talking about the, being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. And I, I just said to him, I said, I, I understand that, and I appreciate you being honest. I said, but, you know, if the Lord says it's important, we should take him at his word. You know, we can help people to see the benefits to see the purpose, to see the meaning for something, or all for that. But even if I don't understand, the Scripture says I should trust the Lord with all my heart and not lean to my own understanding. So there are times when I don't understand fully. Why? Well, Lord, why do you want me to do this? Why are you telling me to go here? He said, trust me. And if he says, and if I see it in the Word, that this is something I'm, I'm supposed to have, then Lord, bring it on. Understanding can come as I go. You know? <laughs> understanding can come later. But I can take advantage of the benefits of these things today. Okay? And so, and, and so that's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Let me give you one more. Everybody ready for one more? This one's not real fun, but I've got to give it to you anyway because it's in the Bible. And uh, let's look over at Mark chapter 10. Everybody, everybody up for ending on a down note tonight? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Kind of. Uh, Mark, Mark chapter 10. This is, let me just tell you what it is so, so you know why, why, I'm, why I'm speaking this way. This is something that we might call, uh, I'm adding the language here, but you'll see by the context, the baptism of suffering. Everybody say, ouch. <laughs> the baptism of suffering. And in, in Mark chapter 10, let's begin reading here, verse 35. 10, 35. Then, then James and John, the son, sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. So he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand, the other on your left in your glory. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? Now, is he talking about water baptism here? Talking about baptism in the body? Talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit? No. So they said to him, we are able. <laughs> Bring it. So Jesus said to them, all right, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and be, and with the baptism that I am baptized with, you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared. So what is this that Jesus is talking about here uh, when, um, uh, when, when he talks about this baptism that he is baptized with? Now, we know what he was about to go through. And it all has to do basically with fulfilling the call of God on your life, knowing that there will be opposition. Whenever someone takes a stand, now Jesus, his baptism here was different than ours because it was going to the cross. And it was suffering for all of mankind, taking our sin and pain. And we never have to do that. Thank you, Lord couldn't do it we're not capable of doing it we don't qualify to do that but he did that but yet he said of these guys huh, you got to drink the same cup and be baptized this way too what is he telling them i mean we all like personal prophecies right <laughs> lord tell me my future <laughs> show me what is to come uh it's not gonna be fun <laughs> but what is he talking about with them well, as they obeyed the call and did the will of God, there was going to be persecution. Basically, he's saying, yep, it is coming, and uh, people are going to do you wrong. Would that be true for us today? 
you know, maybe not exactly what theirs is. All of us really are different in various ways. But whenever someone will take a stand for the Lord, whenever someone will do the will of God, they commit to doing the will of God, there is going to be opposition. Is it true now? Could it be true with this kind of baptism like the others that someone might be baptized in the body, baptized in water, baptized in the spirit? But when it comes to a little bit of trouble, when it comes to a little bit of pressure, comes to a little bit of opposition, <laughs> I'm checking out of this baptism here. I've been baptized enough. I mean, three already. I got three down. Hang the suffering baptism. <laughs> I think a lot of times Christians opt out of this. And it's not a good thing. It, it, it's really not. We need to be committed to saying, Lord, whatever comes against me, I'm going to keep my stand for you. I will never back down. I will love, you know, live the love life. I will represent you and speak your name. And if I lose a promotion over it, if I lose friends over it, if I lose whatever over it, if family members call me kooky and crazy and whatever else they might say, I'm going to stay with you and I'm going to live for you and I'm going to serve you. And if it comes down to uh, like it is in some parts of the world today where people are actually physically hurt for their stand for the Lord, what are we going to do? Man, let's stand, let's stand for him. I mean, do I saying you want that? I don't want that at all, and I'm glad I've never been stoned or anything like that, <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> thank you, Lord. And uh, uh, nevertheless, uh, whatever comes against us, let's stand for the Lord. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, what Jesus said, and I'm just giving you this scripture in closing, Luke 12, 50. He said, but I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how distressed I am till it is accomplished. In other words, it's, it's not fun. But he said, I've got to get baptized again. <laughs> and this is, not, this, is, this is not the good one. But can you see here tonight that this doctrine of baptisms is possibly misunderstood? I think there's possibly a lack of understanding, and yet we're going to go on to the greater things, and yet, you know, the first principles are absent in many people's lives. And, uh, and this is one thing that I think is necessary. Just good old-fashioned Bible teaching. <laughs> I believe in prophecy and laying on our hands, and we practice all that, and the gifts of the Spirit. Well, wonderful. Bring it on. Show me the glory cloud and every other kind of glory and manifestation but there's nothing that substitutes for basic bible teaching where we get grounded in the reality of what god who god is what he says what he wants us to be involved with and and participate in amen and that that will help us to remain strong all of our days praise god praise god father we just we just love you tonight we thank you so much for all you've given us all you've done Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your hand of blessing in every single life. We give you glory and praise. We thank you, thank you, thank you for the grace that gives us knowledge, for the grace that gives us revelation and understanding. Lord, you're faithful to us. You're faithful to us. And you're taking us 
from where we are to that next step, that next level. We're growing, Lord. We're increasing. And we thank you for the move of your spirit and the plan of God unfolding before our very eyes. We see it coming to pass. More and more we see it coming to pass. And Lord, you're helping us on the way. Give you thanks today. We give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God.